Quick warning at the top, in an effort to make monetary policy a little more exciting, our guest today uses some salty language. Yesterday and today, just a few blocks from the White House, a group of 12 economists from around the country are meeting privately, the same way they do every few weeks. This Federal Open Market Committee is like a panel of doctors monitoring the country's vital signs. And those vital signs, they're not looking so great. I think it's more like the Fed was a doctor and was like, oh yeah, you go to physical therapy, three months, you'll be better. You'll totally be back to running marathons or whatever. This is Slate's Jordan Weissman. And then like the patient after three months of physical therapy is like, no, my knee still hurts. Like I still can't, I, I think something's wrong. And the doctor is like, eh, three more months of physical therapy. You'll be, you'll be fine. You, you'll be back on the road, you know? And then it's like three months after it's like, no, no, it's getting worse. Still's not, it's <laughs> still not great. What Jordan's saying here is that the economy has been looking sort of ragged for a while now. The question is what the Fed's going to do about it. Later today, they'll take a vote and decide whether to prescribe the one medicine they've got, lowering the interest rates. It's something the Fed hasn't recommended in a decade. Usually the Federal Reserve cuts interest rates because uh, either the economy is spiraling <laughs> into oblivion or because they see some weakness. And it's it's ostensibly the latter right now. Personally, I, I think that there there's a bigger narrative here that I sort of shorthand as the, the Fed realizes it done fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> this is sort of a, a big admission in a way that by the Fed that it has not been managing the economy very well and that it has not managed to reach its goals. Translation, Jerome Powell, my bad. My bad. Oops. Yeah. Today on the show, we're going to dig into this oops moment at the Fed and whether what happens today stands a chance of fixing it. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, so the thing about this interest rate drop, it's not just Trump who thinks we should do it. Plenty of other people think we should, like Janet Yellen. Someone told me AOC. Yeah, everyone. (laughs) Everyone. everyone. (laughs) You? Well, no, yeah, me. No, everyone at this point. And this is the thing. It's a little bit uncomfortable um, because Trump has been demanding this over and over again, right? And this is yeah, I get really uncomfortable yeah. when everyone agrees with Trump. Yeah, and well, it's also because historically the Federal Reserve likes to protect its quote independence. It it doesn't like to give the impression that it, it's responding to political pressures. But we we've reached this point where pretty much everyone actually does agree with Donald Trump to some extent that it, it's probably time to cut rates. Janet Yellen recently gave a statement saying I would do it to kind of back up 
Jerome Powell and give him cover saying, listen, this is not a political thing. Like if I were still Fed chair, I would be in favor of this. So basically everyone's surrounding Jerome Powell with reasons to do this. Well, he's also it's pretty clear that he feels this way as well. He seems to have come to the conclusion that the economy is in a bit of a fragile place, too, and that the Fed is not hitting its benchmarks. And this is now, I guess, the question of why does everyone think it's time to cut? And one of the answers, just very simply, is that inflation has been really low. Technically, the Fed has a 2% inflation target. That's like that's its official goal. And they are not hitting it. For years now, they've been missing their 2% target. They just have not been able to get it up to 2%. Why and, is that bad? Well, A, some people think inflation is just healthy. It encourages investors to go out and invest in things that might have a slightly higher return, uh, take more risks. Instead of just leaving the money in the bank, you have to do something more productive with it. Because you can make more it money. It eats away at debts. There are all sorts of reasons why you want some amount of inflation just to kind of keep the economy going. But it's also just when you have really, really low inflation, if something goes wrong, then you can risk falling into deflation. And deflation is scary. When prices start to fall, that can really just like grind an economy entirely to a halt. Once you end up in a deflationary trap, it can be really hard to get out of it. And so you want to have a little bit of a buffer. So the idea is, well, lower interest rates. Yeah. It'll basically make money more available. You lower interest rates and the idea is it spurs some amount of economic activity and eventually that's going to push up prices. That That's the idea, the hope that you, you can spur some sort of inflation. I guess it's helpful actually to go back to why they started raising rates in the first place, right? During the recession, we cut interest rates to zero. It was part of the effort to try to save the economy. And the first time they raised rates after that was 2015. And the idea there at the time was to slowly and kind of responsibly raise interest rates so that if inflation did suddenly tick up, they wouldn't have to like really rapidly raise them in order to put out the fire. Hmm. The idea was to like kind of gradually go back to normal. But it sounds like what you were saying is people expected some inflation to come when we raised interest well, rates. But did that happen? This was the thing. There was this idea that inflation's just around the corner. Growth's just around the corner. All of their models suggested ri- rising wages were just around the corner. It's going to happen any day now, tomorrow. And we just have to get a little bit ahead of the curve. That was the idea. And then none of that happened. We never huh. got that inflation. They never got that sudden. There was no. There was no. Nothing even close to a sudden spike in inflation. You know, wage growth has improved over time as the as the labor market has gotten better. There was no suddenly. They never like took off on a tear, right? And what's become obvious over time is that a lot of the models the Fed was sort of relying on, old standbys, old warhorses of the profession, weren't really working anymore. And so when I say like cutting rates now is sort of a big oops or like we done fucked up. It's because it's the culmination of all this. It's like all the decisions they made over the past, you know, five years essentially have not gone according to plan. And instead we're at this very fragile point in the economy where it's like, oh, well, maybe we need to double back and try to (laughs) now suddenly kind of stimulate things a little bit more. This stimulus, even though a lot of people agree that we need it now, Jordan says we actually needed it a long time ago. One of the the great and very bitter ironies of the Trump administration, and and this was kind of predictable, was that Republicans have totally given up on worrying about the deficit and are now just spending and spending and spending. And that's probably a lot of what has actually made the economy as good as it is. We've been living on a lot of stimulus recently, which is fine. We needed that. We needed that earlier. We all got a tax cut. Yeah, we all got a tax cut. But it's also they've lifted spending caps. They've basically eviscerated the old Tea Party era budget agreements. Like, they're spending. They're opening the wallet. And, you know, the... 
heartbreaking part of that is we needed that to happen in like 2011, 12, 13, when the economy was in much worse shape. And now we're getting it kind of when the economy is in better overall shape than it was then. Well, so it sounds like what you're saying, though, is that the wallet's already open. And so lowering interest rates... Will that actually make that big of a difference? Well, that's a because good, that's th- th- this is a profound question. Actually, that you're actually poking at a is like how responsive is the economy to a small cut in interest rates? I don't know if there's really I don't know if there's a scientific consensus on what a quarter point cut in rates is actually going to do for the economy. And there's no way we'll ever know because there's so many confounding factors. But it's what we've got. It's what we got exactly. Most people expect a small cut. They don't expect like a big dramatic cut today. It's almost just as important though about the signal they're sending for the future. The idea is they're not going to tighten further, probably. They're not going to keep hiking. They're saying, OK, we're cutting back and we're we're trying to be more accommodative of the economy. You wrote a story earlier this month that I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. It was called The Single Most Reliable Recession Indicator of the Past 50 Years Has Officially Started Blaring. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. This is like, I usually don't, I'm not usually one of those people like, recession coming, but this is one where like, everyone's actually just kind of watching me like, well, that's a bad sign. It's like, so there's this thing called the yield curve. Yeah. Ordinarily, right? U.S. government debt that like takes 10 years to mature, like a a 10-year treasury bond has a higher yield, which you can just think of as an interest rate. It's what an investor, yields are a a little different from interest rates, but it's basically what an investor gets, the percentage return on their investment. Usually a, a treasury bond that's like 10 years has a higher yield than a treasury bond that's like three months. But long. it's less risky. Because it's less risky, right? Like if you invest your money for, you someone your money for 10 years, shit can go wrong. Like maybe there'll be inflation. Maybe there won't be a US government. Anything could happen. So you want a slightly higher interest rate on that 10-year bond, which carries a little bit more risk of inflation and other things, than you do on the three-month bond. When the yield curve inverts, it means suddenly the yield on the 10-year bond is lower than the one on the three-month note, right? The natural order of the debt markets has reversed itself. Something crazy is going on. So investing long-term is less appealing. It means people are like, I mean, it's usually a sign of people are really nervous about the future. They think that maybe there's going to be a recession. They think that there's going to there probably won't be much inflation. That, that sounds about right. Yeah, there's <laughs> people are people are angsty. Right. And it's a sign that investors are actually putting their money there. So when the yield curve inverts, traditionally, there tends to be a recession sometime within the next two years after that. It, it has happened in each of the last nine recessions going back to the 1960s. And there's been one false alarm. Technically, depending how you look at it, it's, there's been one false positive where growth just kind of cratered, but there wasn't technically a recession. Like growth really fell off, but it did not actually, we didn't, the economy didn't start shrinking. Nine out of 10 is a pretty good yeah. ratio, it, though. It, it actually gets better if you go further back into the 50s. <laughs> it's like, as far as signals from the financial markets go, this is one of the more terrifying ones. Uh, so that that's one of the reasons a lot of people are worried that we could be heading for a downturn. So history tells us recession might be coming. And it's not just that, but then last week you wrote about how the Commerce Department released a report basically rolling back a lot of the optimism that you hear from frankly, the Trump administration about how well the economy is doing. Well, so they they didn't their annual revision, right? Or it's like, OK, here are the real numbers. Like, we finally got it, guys. Here's <laughs> here's the real shit. Here's the real stuff. Um, and 
they they revised down some of the estimates on GDP growth, so that it turns out the economy wasn't quite as strong as uh, Trump thought. They also uh, revised down a lot of the estimates about business investment, um, which is a little bit embarrassing because uh, the entire uh, Republican tax cut was sold on the idea that it was going to lead to a boom in business investment. And in fact, um, if you look at uh, business investment over the Trump administration versus the end of the Obama administration, it's actually slowed down a bit. Mm. Um, so yeah, so there's that. So the yield curve is flipped. The Commerce Department is downgrading economic growth. And now we're about to cut interest rates. These are not good signs. But when I looked at the data a little further out, I couldn't help but notice the interest rates the Fed is planning to trim today. It looks like they've been trending downward for the last 30 years, from 10% in the 80s to more like 5% in the 90s, until now, when these interest rates are hovering around 2%. It's not just like they're kind of bouncing up and down, like back and forth. They just, yeah, they've gradually gotten closer and closer to zero. And people have argued about what might be going on. Is it, there are a lot of theories. I mean, one of the most popular ones is this idea that there's just like a lack of productive investments and there's a lack of demand for money as a result of it. And that's part of what's driving it lower. There are people who think it's actually demographics that do it. It's like when you're sort of in an aging society or your population is growing more slowly, maybe that's that's actually what seems to have some influence on this. And could explain kind of what's going on worldwide. You know, there was a popular theory. Um, there's just like too much money around in the world. Like there's just this imbalance because of countries like China and Germany that just have like huge current account surpluses. They they basically they suck up a lot of money and then they need to invest it somewhere safe. And so it drives interest rates down. But yeah, the reality is we don't really know exactly what's going on. We never, we, we never really know exactly, but we really don't know. And like the world's changing and we can kind of see where we were, and we don't really know exactly where we're going, but we're trying to pilot a little bit blind. Have we figured this out in the past? No, I mean, no, no one ever gets it right. Like, that's the other thing. Economics, at its best, is a science in the sense that people, like, come up with hypotheses and, and try to test them. But, like, when it comes to, like, how this giant thing we call the economy functions and being able to predict where it's going to go, I mean, like, we never really, we never really know. I think a lot of progressives... Yeah see the news about the economy and they're kind of like licking their chops. They're like, ooh, the economy's going to tank because it's the one thing that President Trump, other than racism, has yeah. been able to run on. Can, can, I, can I share something? that I don't know if like this is like a slate state secret because I'm going to talk about traffic. Do but it. <laughs> every time I write something about how the economy is less great than Trump says or like when that thing about recession indicator, by far the most read stuff I put out right now. Like I just like <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people clicking it, like hungrily. I can I can almost hear them licking their chops. Like, oh, really? Recession? It's like I think it's a weird combination of both fear and hope. Like they're worried about it, but also like they're kind of kind of hoping. Like maybe right. Like maybe this is the thing that's going to take Donald Trump down. Yeah. So maybe if you really want Donald Trump to lose, you should actually be mad at Jerome Powell right now for giving in <laughs> and cutting rates. He's I mean, like, right, this is like the one that's one thing that's actually going to help him. But yeah, I think they're yeah, I think that people are are hungry for for disaster. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> but if we game this out, yeah. because I understand that instinct, like recession comes. Don't refer to recession. I've, I, I did this thought experiment once where like if you if there were a recession, right, should Democrats agree to help Donald Trump by passing some sort of stimulus bill? 
what's the moral obligation there? If you think Donald Trump is potentially like an autocrat, he's actually destroying America, do you step in to assist him in some way, knowing that whatever you do, you probably won't get any credit for, but Republicans will, and it'll help keep him in office. And I, I sort of vacillated on that a bit. And I think now with hindsight is like, unemployment is awful for people. Like putting people through that sort of pain is is not worth it. Like you gotta, you don't, don't root for disaster. Jordan Weissman, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Jordan Weissman is a senior economics correspondent for Slate. All right, that's the show. If you are looking to discover a new podcast right now, I've got a recommendation for you. Click on over to The Gist with Mike Pesca. Today, he is talking to former Obama advisor David Axelrod about the 2020 election. And after last night's debate, I am pretty curious what he's got to say. Today's episode was produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Ethan Brooks with special help from Katya Kumkova. I'm Mary Harris. Talk to you tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.